0: The Facts in the Case of Monsieur Valdemar From Tale of Mystery and Imagination by Edgar Allan Poe Of course I should not pretend to consider it any matter for wonder that the extraordinary case of Monsieur Valdemar has excited discussion. It would have been a miracle had it not, especially under the circumstances, through the desire of all parties concerned, to keep the affair from the public, at least for the present, or until we had further opportunities for investigation. Through our endeavours to effect this, a gabbled or exaggerated account made its way into society and became the source of many unpleasant misrepresentations and very naturally a great deal of disbelief. It is now rendered necessary that I give the facts. As far as I comprehend them myself, they are succinctly this. My attention for the past three years had been repeatedly drawn to the subject of mesmerism. And about nine months ago, it occurred to me quite suddenly that in the series of experiments made hitherto there had been a very remarkable and most unaccountable omission no person had as yet been mesmerized in articular motives it remained to be seen first in such condition there existed in the patient any susceptibility to the magnetic inference secondly whether, if any existed, it was impaired or increased by the condition. Thirdly, to what extent or for how long a period the encroachments of death might be arrested by the process. There were other points to be obtained, but this most excited my curiosity. The last, in especial from the immensely important character of its consequences. In looking around me for some subject by whose means I might test these particulars, I was brought to think of my friend, Monsieur Ernest Waldemar, the well known compiler of the Bibliotheca Franzica, and author under the Nordpoon of Israel Max, of the Polish virgins of Warrenstein and Gargantuin. Monsieur Waldemar, who has resided principally at Horon, New York, since the year eighteen thirty nine, is or was particularly noticeable for the extreme spareness of his person. His lower limbs, much resembling those of John Randolph, and also for the whiteness of his whiskers, in violent contrast with the blackness of his hair, the latter, in consequence, being very generally mistaken for a week. His temperament was markedly nervous, and rendered him a good subject for mesmeric experiment. On two or three occasions, I had put him to sleep with little difficulty, but was disappointed in other results which his particular constitution had naturally led me to anticipate. His will was at no period positively or thoroughly under my control, and in regard to Korean I could accomplish with him nothing to be relied upon. I always attributed my failure at this point to the disordered state of his health, For some months previous to my becoming acquainted with him, his physicians had declared him in a confirmed phthisis. It was his custom, indeed, to speak calmly of his approaching dissolution, as of a matter neither to be avoided nor regretted. When the ideas to which I have alluded first occurred to me, it was of course very natural that I should think of Versio Valdemar. I knew the steady philosophy of the man too well to apprehend any scruples from him, and he has no relatives in America who would be likely to interfere. I spoke to him frankly upon the subject, and to my surprise, His interest seemed vivid excited. I say to my surprise, for although he had always yielded his person freely to my experiments, he had never before given me any tokens of sympathy with what I did. His disease was of that character which would admit of exact calculation in respect to the epoch of its determination in death and it was finally arranged between us that he would sing for me about twenty-four hours before the period announced by his physicians as that of his disease. It is now rather more than seven months since I received from Monsieur Valdemar himself the subject note. My dear P, you may as well come now, D and F great. That I cannot hold out beyond tomorrow morrow my and I think they have hit the try very nearly. Waldemar, I received this note within half an hour after it was written, and in fifteen minutes more I was in the dying man's chamber. I had not seen him for ten days, and was appalled by the fearful alteration. Which the brief interval had wrought in him, his face wore a leaden hue, the eyes were utterly lustreless, and the emaciation was so extreme that the skin had broken through by the cheekbones. His respiration was excessive; the pulse was fairly perceptible. He retained, nevertheless, in a very remarkable member, both in his mental power and a certain degree of physical strength. He spoke with distinctness to some palliative medicine without aid, and when I entered the room, was occupied in penciling memoranda in a pocketbook. He was propped up in the bed bi- by pillows. Dr. D and F were in attendance. After pressing Waldemar's hand, I took this gentleman aside and obtained from them a minute account of the patient's condition the left lung has been for 18 months in a semi ossist or cartilaginous state and was of course totally useless for all purposes of vitality. The right, in its upper portion, was also partially if not thoroughly ossified while the lower region was merely a mass of pulverine tubicles running one into another. Several extensive perforations existed and at one point, permanent adhesion to the ribs has taken place. This appearance in the right lobe was of comparatively recent date. The ossification had proceeded with very unusual rapidity. No sign of it had been discovered a month before, and the adhesion had only been observed during the three previous days. Independently of the feces, the patient was suspected of osteism of the aorta. But on this point, the osseous symptom rendered an exact diagnosis impossible. It was the opinion of both physicians that Monsieur Valdona would die about midnight on the morrow, Sunday. It was then seven o'clock on Saturday evening. On quitting the invalid's bedside to hold conversation with myself, Dr. T and F had bade king a final farewell. It had not been their attention to return, but at my request they agreed to look in upon the patient about ten the next night. When they had gone I spoke freely with Monsieur Waldemar on the subject of his approaching dissolution, as well as more particularly of the experiment proposed he still professed himself quite willing and even anxious to have it done and urged me to commence it at once a male and a female nurse were in attendance but i did not feel myself altogether at liberty to engage in a task of this character with no more reliable witness than these people in case of sudden accident might prove I therefore postponed operations until about eight the next night, when the arrival of medical students, with whom I had some acquaintance, Mr. Theodore L., relieved me from further embarrassment. It had been my desire originally to wait for the physicians, but I was induced to proceed first by the urgent entreaties of Monsieur Valdemar. And secondly, by my commission that I had not a moment to lose, as he was evidently sinking fast. Mr. L. was so kind as to accede to my desire that he would take notes of all that occurred, and it is from his memoranda that what I now have to relate is, for the most part, either condensed or copied verbatim it wanted about five minutes of aid when taking the patient's hand i begged him to state as distinctly as he could to mr l whether he Monsieur waldemar was entirely willing that i should make the experiment of mesmerizing him in his then condition he replied feebly yet quite audibly <sighs> I wish to be mesmerized, adding immediately afterward. I fear you have deferred too long. While he spoke thus, I commenced the passes which I had already found most effectual in stealing him. He was evidently influenced with the first lateral stroke of my hand across his forehead but although i exerted all my powers no further perceptible effects was induced until some minutes after ten o'clock when dr d and f called according to appointment i explained to them in a few words what i desired and as then opposed no objection saying that the patient was already in death agony i proceeded without hesitation is changing, however, the lateral passes for downward ones, and directing my gaze entirely into the right eye of the sufferer. By this time, his pulse was imperceptible, and his breathing was stertorous, and at intervals of half a minute. This condition was nearly on for a quarter of an hour. At the expiration of this period, however, a natural, although a very deep sigh escaped from the bosom of the dying man, and the stertorous breathing ceased. That is to say, its stertorousness was no longer apparent. The intervals were undiminished. The patient's extremities were of an icy coldness. At five minutes before eleven, I perceived unequivocal signs of the mesmeric influence. The glassy roll of the eye was changed for that expression of uneasy inward examination which is never seen except in cases of sleep-waking, and which is quite impossible to mistake. With a few rapid lateral passes I made the least quiver, as in incipient sleep, and with a few more, I crossed them altogether. I was not satisfied, however, with this but continued the manipulations vigorously and with the fullest exertion of the wheel until I had completely stiffened the limbs of the slumber after placing them in a seemingly easy position the legs were at full length the arms were nearly so and reposed on the bed with a moderate distance from the loins the hair was very slightly elevated When I had accomplished this, it was fully midnight, and I was requesting the gentleman present to examine M. Valdemar's condition. After a few experiments, they admitted him to be a perfect stay of mesmeric trends. The curiosity of both the physicians was greatly excited. Dr. D. resolved at once to remain with the patient all night. While Dr. F. took leave with the promise to return at daybreak, Mr. L. and the nurses remained. We left Monsieur Valdemar entirely undisturbed until about three o'clock in the morning. When I opposed him and found him in precisely the same condition as when Dr. F. went away, that is to say he lay in the same position, the pulse was imperceptible. The breathing was gentle, scarcely noticeable, unless through the application of a milo to the lips. The eyes were closed naturally, and the limbs were as rigid and as cold as marble. Still, the general appearance was not that of death. As I approached m Waldemar, I made a kind of health effect to influence his right hand into pursuit of my own as i passed the leather gentry to and fro about his person in such experiments with this patient i had never perfectly succeeded before and assuredly i had little thought of succeeding now but to my astonishment his arm very readily although feebly followed every direction i assigned with mine i determined to hazard a few words of conversation Monsieur Valdemar, I said, are you asleep? He made no answer, but I perceived a tremor about the lips, and was thus induced to repeat the question again and again. At its third repetition his whole frame was agitated by a very slight shivering. The eyelids uncrossed themselves so far as to display a white line or a ball. The lips moved sluggishly, and from between them, in a barely audible whisper, issued the words, Yes, asleep now. Do not wake me. Let me die so. Here I felt the limbs and find them as rigid as ever. The right arm, as before, obeyed the direction of my hand. I questioned the sleep-waker again. Do you still feel pain in the breast, Monsieur Valdemar? The answer now was immediate, but even less audible than before. No pain. I am dying. I did not think it advisable to disturb him further just then, and nothing more was said or done until the arrival of Dr. F., who came a little before sunrise, and expressed unbounded astonishment at finding the patient still alive. After feeling the pulse and applying a milo to the lips, he requested me to speak to the sleep again. I did so saying Monsieur Valdemar, do you still asleep? As before, some minutes elapsed ere a reply was made, and during the interval the dying man seemed to be collecting his energies to speak. At my fourth repetition of the question, he said very faintly, almost inaudibly Yes still sleep, dying. It is now the opinion, or rather the wish, of the physicians that Monsieur Waldemar should have been suffered to remain undisturbed in his present apparently tranquil condition until death should supervene, and this, it was generally agreed, must take place within a few minutes. I concluded, however, to speak to him once more, and merely repeated my previous question. While I spoke, there came a marked change over the countenance of the sleep-waker. The eyes rolled themselves slowly open, the pupils disappearing outwardly. The skin generally assumed a cadastral hue, resembling not so much parchment as white paper and the circular hectic spore which hitherto had been strongly defined in the central of each cheek went out at once i use this expression because the suddenness of their departure put me in mind of nothing so much as the extinguishment of a candle by a puff of breath the upper lip at the same time right itself away from the teeth which it had previously covered completely while the lower jaw fought with an audible jerk leaving the mouth widely extended and disclosing in a view of the swollen and blackened tongue i presume that no member of the party then present had been accustomed to the deathbed horrors but so hideous beyond conception was the appearance of Monsieur Valdemar at this moment that there was a general swinging back from the region of the bed i now feel that i have reached a point of this narrative at which every reader will be startled into positive disbelief it is my business however simply to proceed There was no longer the faintest sign of vitality in Monsieur Valdemar, and concluding him to be dead, we were consigning him to the charge of the nurses. When a strong vibratory motion was observable in the tie, this continued for perhaps one minute. At the expiration of this period, there issued from the distended and motionless jaws a voice such as it would be madness in me to attempt describing. There are indeed two or three epithets which might be considered as applicable to it in part. I might say, for example, that the sound was harsh, or broken, or hollow, but the hideous whole was indescribable for the simple reason that no similar sounds have ever jarred upon the ear of humanity. There were two particulars, nevertheless, which I thought then, and still think, might be fairly stated, as characteristic of the intonation, as well as adapted to convey some idea of its unearthly particularity. In the first place, The voice seemed to reach our ears, at least mine, from a vast distance, or from some deep cavern within the earth. In the second place, it impressed me. I fear, indeed, that it would be impossible to make myself comprehend it, as gelatinous or glutinous matters impress the sense of touch. I have spoken both of sound and of voice, I mean to say that the sound was one of distinct, or even wonderfully, thrillingly distinct syllabification. Monsieur Valdemar spoke obviously in reply to the question I had propounded to him a few minutes before. I had asked him, it will be remembered, if he still slept. Now he said, yes, no, I have been sleepy, and now, now, I am dead. No person present even affected to deny or attempted to repress. The unalterable shuddering horror which these few words thus altered, were so well calculated to convey. Mister L, the student, swarmed. My own impressions I would not pretend to render intelligible to the reader. For nearly an hour we busied ourselves silently, without the utterance of a word, in endeavours to revive Mister L when he came to himself, we addressed ourselves again to an investigation of Monsieur Valdemar's condition. It remained, in all aspects, as I have last described it, with the exceptions that the mirror no longer afforded evidence of respiration, an attempt to draw blood from the arms failed. I should mention, too, that this limb was no further subject to my will, I endeavoured in vain to make it follow the direction of my hand. The only real indication, indeed, of the mesmeric inference, was now found in the vibratory movement of the tongue. Whenever I addressed Monsieur Valdemar a question, he seemed to be making an effort to reply, but had no longer sufficient volition. To inquiries put to him by any other person than myself he seemed utterly insensible. Although I endeavoured to place each member of the company in my rapport with him, I believe that I have related all that is necessary to an understanding of the sleep state at this epoch. Other nurses were procured, and at 10 o'clock, I left the house in company with two physicians and Mr. L. In the afternoon, we all called again to see the patient. His condition remained precisely the same. We had now some discussion as to the propriety and feasibility of awakening him, but we had little difficulty in agreeing that no good purpose would be served by doing so. It was evident that so far death, or what is usually termed death, had been arrested by the mesmeric process. It seemed clear to us all that to awaken Monsieur Valdemar would have been merely to ensure his instant, or at least his speedy, dissolution. From this period until the close of last week, an interval of nearly seven months, we continued to make daily calls at Monsieur Valdemar's house, accompanied now and then by medical or other friends, all this time the sleep wakers remained exactly as I have last described him, the nurses attention were continual. It was on Friday last that we finally resolved to make the experiment of awakening or attempting to awaken him and it is the perhaps unfortunate result of this latter experiment, which has given rise to so much discussion in private circles, to so much of what I cannot help thinking unwarranted popular feeling. For the purpose of relieving Monsieur Waldemar from the mesmeric trace, I made use of the customary passes. These four time, were unsuccessful. The first indication of reviving was afforded by a fossil descent of the iris. It was observed as especially remarkable that this lowering of the pupil was accompanied by the profuse of a yellowish eye-crawl from beneath the lids of a pungent and highly offensive odor. It was now suggested that I should attempt. To influence the patient's arm as heretofore, I made the attempt and failed. Dr. F. then intimated a desire to help me put a question. I did so as follows: Monsieur Waldemar, can you explain to us what are your feelings or wishes now? There was an instant return of the hectic circles on the chips. The tongue quivered or rather rolled violently in the mouth, although the jaws and the lips remained rigid as before, and at length the same hideous voice which I have already described broke forth. For God's sake Quake Quake put me to sleep Oh quake waken me quake I say to you that I am dead." I was thoroughly unnerved and for an instant remained undecided what to do. At first, I made an endeavor to recompose the patient, but failing in this through total abeyance of the will, I retraced my step and as earnestly, struggled to awaken him. In this attempt, I soon thought that I should be successful, or at least I soon fancied that my success would be complete, and I am sure that all in the room were prepared to see the patient awaken. For what really occurred, however, it is quite impossible that any human being could ever be prepared. As I repeatedly made the mesmeric paces, amid exaggerations of dead, dead, as ruthily vafted from the tike and not from the lips of the sufferer. His whole frame at once, within the space of a single minute or less, shrunk, crumbled, as ruthily rooted away beneath my hands. Upon the bed before the whole company there lay a nearly liquid nest of loathsome or detestable putest End of the Story